Hi, everyone. This is my podcast. It's called Currency. Uh, the first guest that I'm going to have on it will come about soon enough. Those guests will be on your screen. Uh, but I don't know in how long because I make excuses to um, not invite people or just to take longer to do it. I dawdle around. Uh, just like in real life, sometimes when you go to hang out with people, sometimes you just are lazy about it. Um, but today I'm going to I'm going to speak to you about Ethereum. I'm going to tell you everything that I know. We're going to get to the bottom of Ethereum. We're going to talk about it. This whatever it needs to be spoken about. Um, the importance of Ethereum and what it's going to do for you. Let me throw out some things about it very, very quickly here, so that. Um, I can prove myself somewhat valuable right in the get-go, even though I've already wasted the first minute. And so Ethereum is the second largest cryptocurrency uh, by market cap in the world. And I'm, I'm repeating that just from remembered information. I remember that it's the second greatest. I didn't have to look at a computer. Um, it's the second biggest. It's behind Bitcoin. And, and my belief is that Ethereum is going to pass Bitcoin in the future, likely. Like, I think that what we started off in here is the Bitcoin era. And we're going to transition into the Ethereum era where Ethereum is the top cryptocurrency. That will be the name that everybody comes to recognize eventually. I think we're at the beginning of where Ethereum will become the biggest one. The reason Ethereum will be the biggest cryptocurrency in the world is because it is just a lot it's evidentially greater in scope than bitcoin it has more functions it has more utility um ethereum is a giant computer and that means a number of things but it's like a giant computer it's like the internet the same way that the internet is now except it is a like completely alternate internet and the guy that made it is named Vitrik buterin He's from Russia. He made it when he was 19. Um, I think most of it he developed in like 2014, 2015. But um, what he created was an improvement of sorts on Bitcoin, but it's uh, even better than an improvement because it just because it does a lot more. But what he wanted to do was create a programming language that um, that would able to be used for anybody creating new cryptocurrencies i mean i'm guessing that's what he had in mind at the get-go but what you can do on the ethereum network is you can create new cryptocurrencies if you want to you can create them if you're just some person at your house or if you're a startup company there's lots of people who are getting into the cryptocurrency like the digital space with a company that they're launching if they want to if they have a vision for a decentralized app decentralized application or something like that they might be um creating a new cryptocurrency and if that's the case it is likely that is likely that they're creating it on the ethereum network as opposed to some other cryptocurrency networks that are an option for you to create to create your token um but a lot of people are making new tokens new tokens are being introduced to the market um all the time i read somewhere that it's 400 new tokens are introduced new cryptocurrencies are introduced every day and most of them are being written on the ethereum network as it stands currently if you make a new cryptocurrency it's just like the way to go to make it on ethereum you create an erc20 token um and an erc20 token is in some respects you'd say that it's owned by ethereum erc20 stands for the stands for ethereum request for comments 20 and so the 20 in that case is just the number of the specification and so there are many specifications there's an erc like 18 19 i'm guessing but there's only a few prominent ones that you would need to remember i don't remember any of the numbers that are prominent besides the erc 20 but the erc 20 for basic purposes especially is the only one that you would need to remember because this is the standard for um for writing code on the ethereum network is the the erc20 is the standard that's been chosen there's like an erc702 that when you create a new token new cryptocurrency you might write it in the erc702 computer programming language but 
this doesn't have as much utility, doesn't have as much use cases across the network because the ERC-20 is the standard. And so this is what is possibly used by the most addresses and the most smart contracts uh, within the network. And so within the Ethereum network, the main categorization, as I understand it, that you will want to understand is that the nodes in the network fall into one of two categories, basically. Uh, one of the one of these categories is that you're a node, you're just an address, meaning like you're a person who has a wallet that contains Ethereum, and these addresses are encrypted with an address key that uh, encrypts and reinforces the idea of the node on the network, like um, and keeps your money safe, whatever, with the encrypted key. But uh, the other kind of category you might fall into as a node in the network is if you're a smart contract, and a smart contract is basically, um, so this is a more intelligent kind of node, but it, this is like one of the tokens on the network. This is like one of the cryptocurrencies that's created on the network. So it's like, if you make a new cryptocurrency, what you write is a, what you write is a smart contract because the cryptocurrency that you create will perform a specific function that the specific function that it performs is like, uh, since you're writing it on in ERC-20 code, in Ethereum code. Since you're writing it in Ethereum code, it, adap it adapts to the Ethereum network and the function that it provides um, then, is, then is possible on the Ethereum network, but you write a new cryptocurrency as a different function as, uh, and you would say that it's a token also because, so it's like, if you make a new cryptocurrency, you can call it a few things, but like, one of the names for it is that it, it it is a smart contract. It is a cryptocurrency. It is a token. The reason it's the reason the new cryptocurrency you'd make is a token is because it tokenizes something in the real world. Like is probably the best way I would describe why you're using the word token is because it tokenize it represents something in the real world. So it's like if you made a decentralized, um, like if somebody makes yahtzee the application just on your phone this exists on this exists centrally as opposed to decentrally uh first of all so this is not this is not something built on the ethereum network but i bring it up like if you have a yahtzee application um then this is written in a certain this is written in a certain code i forget why i was bringing bringing that point up but this is written, this is a certain application that's created. It's written in a certain code on a, on a server, but in this case, a centralized server as opposed to a decentralized server. There's just a number of points I wanna make. The Ethereum network, the Ethereum computer is decentralized as opposed to the current internet is centralized. And so a big part of the value for Ethereum is that it is a decentralized internet as opposed to a centralized one. But the best way you'd want to understand Ethereum is that it's a new computer. It's an alternate internet that is presumably going to do for money what the current internet does for information. But um, actually, Ethereum does more than just decentralize money or decentralize banking. It decentralizes other things as it's like a decentralized internet but let me get back to what the erc20 um what the erc20 took in oh the point that i was making is that the yahtzee application tokenizes the physical existence of yahtzee that exists in the world now if you make a cryptocurrency the function that you create on a in a digital space in the cryptosphere on the ethereum network tokenizes in a lot of cases tokenizes something that you'd see play out in the real world but it in uh, it would be more likely that you're making one that tokenizes some financial, some financial set of processes in the in the banking world or the financial world, like, and that's why you'd call it a token. But it's like you make a you make a smart contract, and uh, the smart contract that you write is a token, it's a cryptocurrency, and you have to write it in line with the ERC-20 code when you create it, if you choose to create it on the Ethereum network, but this is the way to go. And since it is the way to go, this is something that makes Ethereum very potent because it's growing and growing and growing as the standard thing to use to create new cryptocurrencies. Um, and that like, 
decentralized applications are all being created on the Ethereum network as opposed to if they're created on something else like a Bitcoin network. Now, Bitcoin doesn't do any of this that Ethereum does. Bitcoin is sort of like a computer, but it's not nearly like Ethereum is actually a computer the same way that the current Internet is the Internet. And I know I'm kind of like using the word computer and Internet interchangeably, but this is like I'm trying to I'm just describing the network aspect of each of them. But basically, Viterik Buterin, who, who created Ethereum, is like Alan Turing, and he made a new internet. And the same way that when Alan Turing made the computer, you didn't, nobody would have known the capability of that. We are in a stage that we don't know the capability of Ethereum, this new computer that was created. So as it turns out, there are alternate internets out there for you to possibly create. Um, one of the one of these that somebody in the world harnessed the potential of was is Ethereum. But so I'm just trying to get to the heart of uh, why Ethereum is important. It's important because everybody is engaging in it the most, and so the community that that develops around it is inevitably going to be bigger than all of the rest of them. I don't know for how long. But um, it's it's just this giant project, and all of it is all of it is connected through computer code. All of the nodes on the network, it's uh, they're they're important, they're valuable because of their encryption and computer code. Now addresses, it's just a key. But what's really important and valuable are the new functions that are introduced when people write smart contracts onto the Ethereum network. And when they write them, they write them in computer code, which is like they write it in, they write it in computer software. So when somebody wants a new cryptocurrency, it's new. So it does a different function than the rest of them. And if it doesn't, it's not going to be better. If you replicate the same exact same function somebody else has created, there's no reason to do that because all you've done is made the same function, but that other group is that other function is already ahead of you in time. And so it's like, had a better chance to grow the community. I'm saying if you create the exact same function, which uh, which shouldn't happen. I don't really know exactly what happens. You make the same set of code, at, exact same as another cryptocurrency that's been created, but it wouldn't work out, is what I'm telling you. But that that's beside the point. Um, when somebody makes a new cryptocurrency, they write slightly different code. And... Um, so they set up the rules of a game of a game slightly differently. So like when you make a new cryptocurrency, you're introducing a new game into the system, a new function that it's like when you send money to this node in the network of this smart contract that you wrote this code on, then um, the money has to obey by the rules of the function you created the same way that in any place that you go, you have to abide by the rules of like, like if you go to the bank and you want to exchange money, you have to abide by their rules in order to do that. Maybe you, like if you have to, if you want to open a bank account, you have to go and talk to a teller or something like that's one of their rules. Or but just in any reality, like if you if you decide that you're going to play shoots and ladders, then you have to abide by the rules of shoots and ladders. You are involved in this game. Shoots and ladders has a certain code that dictates the reality of that. So that and it plays out. The, differently from other realities, you know, and probably a better example would be like a video game because that's more, uh, that's more engaging and more complex, you know, like reality that you can get yourself involved in is like uh, Call of Duty and then the reality that's involved with that. But so different functions that people create are, they are written in computer code and so and the parameters of some specific function are dictated in line with what is the vision of the person who created it. And so they write it, when they write it on the Ethereum network, they will often choose to write it in ERC-20 code, which means that they write the code in line with the ERC-20 standard. The ERC-20 standard has um, commands in it that it has a certain amount of commands so that when you write, when you create a new ERC-20 token, meaning that you're writing a program in the ERC-20 standard, you just have to meet the minimum set of requirements that in which if you meet those, you're meeting the standard of the ERC-20. And so this minimum set of requirements is, a, is like six or seven commands that you have to include in the program that you write. 
And so it's like the program that you write, it's going to be enclosed in brackets ultimately. And these brackets, the beginning and ending bracket that encapsulates all of the code that you write, this is like a facility that contains um, all of the rules that you want the same way that if you start a company, you create facilities and it, within those facilities plays out the rules of your game if you created it. So it's like the brackets that enclose computer code act as a facility. And um, within that facility, you get to create what you want. And so... Uh, you what you want to do in making a cryptocurrency is make the best one possible or or whatever you're just setting it up to be valuable you it before you make it you try to figure out what your goal is what you want it to do and then you try to write the code you manipulate the parameter you you manipulate the right the language within it and basically the parameters within it to uh, complete your vision and so there's a minimum set of commands that you have to put in every one of any facility, any smart contract that you write, any new cryptocurrency you write on the ERC-20 standard. There's a minimum set of codes you have to put in that uh, are like criteria that are already called out by the ERC-20 standard. And, um, and so some of these commands are... Like one of them is just you have to tell the com you have to tell the computer what the name of your cryptocurrency is. This is one of the required commands called out by the ERC twenty standard. Uh, another one of the required commands is how many tokens you will initially introduce into the market, or whether or not you're going to have a limited supply. If you have a limited supply or an infinite supply, this is a command that you tell the computer so that and like when you complete the crypto when you complete all of the commands then your cryptocurrency is introduced into the market and then this is set in stone forever whatever you told it because that's the code that's part of that's part of uh people saying like the airtight system of ethereum is so airtight it, part of that is because like you understand that you can go back and change the code of your function because it uh maybe it would fuck the entire system up or something but they Maybe they, they could allow, maybe somebody could create a blockchain where you could later change your code. Ethereum, from what I understand, doesn't allow that, that you would be able to change the code once you set it into motion in the market. And that's why there's so much difficulty that people that like Dogecoin has in changing its format, where it's like, oh, maybe we can go in there and change something. Like it's, it's difficult, is the reason why Ethereum can't improve their scalability overnight is because the code that they wrote to set up the ethereum system is basically supposed to be set in stone so maybe they're just creating other functions somewhere else in the network to um to adapt their whole system but so when you if you create a new cryptocurrency you make you write a smart contract or in other words you write a programming you write software for a specific function that you want and um, it has to meet the codes called out in the ERC-20. But once you meet the minimum set of requirements, then you get to add in whatever you want after that. It's just that it has to meet the minimum set of requirements. And so you can choose to have an infinite supply or a finite supply. Bitcoin is a crypto that has a finite supply. And they do this so that uh, they get more value just off of their rarity. Like at some point, all of the Bitcoins will be mined and then uh, it'll just be really valuable to hold Bitcoin. Like it'll be hard to find at the point that they mined all of them because it has a limited number of supplies, like 21, there'll only ever be 21 million Bitcoin. There's a cap on it because they wrote that into the code. And so there'll only ever be that number, but there's other cryptos like Dogecoin that they have an infinite supply, so they keep creating them constantly they say that they do that dogecoin does that so that their miners can always get a reward because um miners for bitcoin at some point will cease to get a reward when all of the bitcoin have been mined but according to bitcoin the way that it's going to work is it will just be it'll become more and more difficult to mine bitcoin so that the mining process will actually take place for another 20 years or so even though they're like close to the end but dogecoin can be mined forever and um it is really, I, I really don't know which two of those is better. People argue which one of them is better. That's like part of the game and figuring out who, which one you want to invest in. Is a limited supply better or is an infinite supply better? Um, I really don't see that either one of them has an advantage, but I think that one of them in the end is better and it remains to be seen. 
I, I'm kind of leaning towards that a finite supply is better. But like Dogecoin, Dogecoin says they have an infinite supply, but they still only produce a certain amount every year. They still only produce like 5 billion a year. And so over like 100 years, that's only 500 billion new coins. And so it's like, ultimately they kind of have a finite supply, but because it's not going to go... The, like Dogecoin will be dead a thousand years from now, so it's not going to keep produce. It's not going to be around forever. Some at some point, somebody will come around with technology that's better than all of these and all the cryptocurrencies. Cryptocurrency is the new packaging of money. Banking is the old packaging. Cryptocurrency is a new genre. It's been introduced, new set of technologies, but it's like a digitization of money. But um, Ethereum does. Uh, a couple of things. So I'm telling you about the ERC20 token. If you want to create a new cryptocurrency, you just write it to the standard of the ERC20. It's probably not the most impossible thing, but what would be impossible is knowing how to encrypt what you're writing further so that you're introducing your own codes, like that you would be able to write a set of codes that is relatively more encrypted. This would depend on you having uh, a lot of knowledge of programming languages and that kind of thing. But, um, so we have, we have Ethereum. Ethereum is a, Ethereum is a giant computer. I'll run through a couple other things about Ethereum real, real quick. Let me, let me stop and think for a second where, or if I'm getting ahead of myself, um, pretty much people. So it's like, how does Ethereum make money? They make money because of individual people one of the revolutionary things about it is that maybe the most revolutionary thing about it is that it is not just decentralized, it is um, decorporational. And it's, it is uh, almost as essential that it's decorporational, it's just people don't use that word. They don't, people don't realize um, that Ethereum is actually decorporational. And by that, I mean, it's like, uh, like Google and Facebook and Twitter, they run on centralized applications. These are all giant corporations. Ethereum aims to do the same internet, but decentralized. They they basically aim to be decorporational, but that they it provides a system that is more efficient than something that is a corporation because in order to join Ethereum, in order to be an employee of it, um, an employee if you want to be an employee an employee of ethereum then it's kind of like volunteering because to be an employee of ethereum you just sign up to start mining it and anybody can mine ethereum you can just start doing it at, in your home this by yourself and this isn't the best strategy because you'll have a low chance of actually mining ethereum in this case the people who have the best chance of mining it are the people that have a giant farm of computers where it's just like they have it there's just some farm of computers all of them mining ethereum that somebody has somewhere and so any node on the network that is mining ethereum you would call you would refer, refer to it as a mining node and mining nodes have the ability to um to mine ethereum but when they mine ethereum what happens is Across all the nodes in the network, people are making transactions all the time. They're sending money to different places. You can send money to another address or you can send it to a smart contract. When you send it to another address, this is just a transfer of currency. When you send it to a smart contract, this is a, this is a mutation of the currency that you sent because it'll go through the smart contract. The smart contract acts as this like if then or this fork or this caveat in the system that might diversify the money in a, in a, uh, different ways or seek to replicate some aspect of the financial sector. Like uh, if you send money to a smart contract, it might decide to divide, like if you send $5,000 of Ethereum to a smart contract, the smart contract might dictate that this 5,000 is divided evenly to f these five addresses over here. Or um, it might it might convert what you have in Ethereum in terms of US dollars into something that isn't so much monetary as like it might be skills of a character in a video game or something like it might convert it into s something else you're using for a different application at the point that it's sent through 
that application or another one that is like the function dictates it'll mutate the money in some some different way like skills of a character in a video game is an example that people often use um but so it's like you send it to a smart contract it'll it'll um mutate the money or make it make it deviate in some way it'll change it but pretty much money is flowing all across the network so there's like current um so like two nodes in a network are connected by something like maybe a copper wire where the current or the money is flows from one to one node to another so this currency is flowing all across the network um all the time and that's 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 a possible thing because of the ethereum system that ethereum built this is all um this is all ethereum theory that we're going at over today this is all ethereum and um so i forget what point i was making you transfer money where you want to so there's like there's money transferring all over the system when somebody makes a transaction meaning that they send money to a smart contract or they send money somewhere else they have to pay a fee for this transaction they send their ethereum somewhere and they have to pay a fee the transaction and then the fee that goes along with it gets accumulated at one of the mining nodes the mining nodes are collecting transactions all across the network and when one of the mining nodes mines a block it has collected a number of transactions usually like a hundred hundreds to thousands of transactions i think maybe it's more like in the hundreds that uh once you have a hundred or so transactions then a block is starting to be created and basically the product that ethereum provides or at least one of them but the main one that i can tell the main product that ethereum provides is a block it creates blocks and when it creates a new block, this block is put on the tail end of all the other blocks that have been created. But the purpose and significance of this block, this block chain, it's a chain of events, um, is that the new block that's created is the newest block and it creates this chronological order of transactions. And so, uh, so it's like important to have this historical record of transactions in the correct order, but what's more important is that a new block is created then when another block is created after that the this block of transactions are like cemented forever and then that was like the period of time that those transactions took place and you can't go back to them because there's no changing anything in the system um because all because all of it's encrypted and so a new block is created at the point that a mining node accumulates a number of transactions and the um the block is only mined completely when the it's like the first mining node to solve a series of puzzles is the one that is rewarded the ability to create the block and in creating a block it it gets ether and so the people who own the computers that mined the block of transactions that created the block of transactions they get the money of all of the fees that came along with the transactions and so they collect all of that money and as a result, ether is introduced into the system when you create a block. I am unable to find anywhere on the internet where it says the exact conversion rate of ether to either blocks or transactions. I read somewhere that it, whenever a block is created, five new ether are, are introduced into the system. This isn't, the ether introduced into the system is not the fees. The fees go to the people who are, who own the computers. They are being reimbursed for all of the electricity they have to pay for to run their computers. And so if you're running a ton of computers, you're using a lot of electricity, but it is still much more likely that you're going to mine any ether at all, that your computers will be the first one across the network to solve the puzzles that you will be rewarded the transaction fees. But when a new block is created, ether is introduced in the system. I read somewhere that it's five ether per block. I read somewhere else that it is a minimum of two and this is a better definition i think that five one is totally false actually um there's a it's a minimum of two ether that's introduced per block it's just that if there's more transactions it's more you there's more ether that's introduced um into the system and i think it's that the ether is introduced into the system but the ether is not the ether is not the money for the fees 
And so Ether is introducing the system for people to buy on different address nodes in the network. But the product that is produced is the block because it's significant to have uh, an irrefutable ledger for a historicity of transactions, apparently. <laughs> apparently, that's very, very significant. It's hard for me to tell why. Like, um, but that it's, that it's irrefutable, but it's just that, it's just that this Ethereum thing does a number of things and people don't understand the full weight of it. One thing that it does that I was starting to describe to you is that, um, it is decorporational. So it's like Google. And so, um, centralization is like a devious word because, people who are really into cryptocurrency will tout decentralization to their grave about this is what makes it valuable. So decentralization and like they will, they will frame it as that, um, on one end of the spectrum, you have centralization, which is the way that banks work. It's like Chase bank has centralized supply of money and it's stagnant. And so it's less, it is less intelligent the more centralized it is, the more decentralized it is, the more intelligent because the more it is in a lot of different locations, the more it is like disintegrated, divided, distributed to lots of places across the world. And so one pretty evident thing about Ethereum that makes it better than fiat currency is that Ethereum is global the same way that the internet is. Fiat currencies are restricted to the borders of a national government. This is an obvious improvement of sorts, like, and you see that this is already um, more profitable to have it all across the world because you see that you see what the internet is able to do as being an information system that's all over the world. But um, like, the point that I'm making is that banks are relatively decentralized, and Ethereum and cryptocurrencies are also relatively decentralized. These aren't the two extreme ends of the spectrum is like Ethereum and a typical national bank. Like um, from bank to Ethereum, it becomes increasingly decentralized, but both of them are relatively, like a bank is relatively decentralized because it has a number of locations across which its wealth is played out, across which there's like different locations that the, that the code for Chase Bank is played out because they have a number of locations. And um, this, I would also like to make the same point about corporations where um, my definition for corporational is something that is more centralized, something that is, um, yeah, corporational is more centralized, decorporational is more decentralized. But like um, another thing that Ethereum does besides banking is that it creates new Googles, so to speak, but it like um, it kind of automates what Google can do because with Google you have this large like bureaucratic organization. It becomes bureaucratic the more that they just have facilities everywhere. But kind of just the larger it gets, the more that you're gonna have people there. You're gonna have inefficiency. Inefficiency. In the system, you're going to have employees that you like, they're probably hiring too many employees, but just that you're having lots of people at desk jobs. There's only so much that can pe that can be produced out of the business model of Google when everything takes place in relatively more centralized facilities where like everybody gathers in a giant Google facility. And then like the resulting work that produce that uh, acts as fuel for the engine that everybody puts into that from working at the facility is less efficient than the kind of work that can be produced as fuel for the engine in a decentralized network. And um, so it's like Google runs on a server. They run on a centralized server and a centralized server is what runs all of the applications like uh, and websites are basically like applications. You see that that's true just by that. Facebook is also an application on your phone as well as a website, but it's kind of like different websites are applications that run on a server, like all of the applications on your phone run on a server. It's called a server because a server serves in 
in terms of many different contexts, it serves in many different ways. In as many ways as something called a server could serve is as many applications that you can create. It serves in all of the context of all the applications does the server. And so it filters, server gets filtered through these different functions. It speaks itself, communicates itself through different applications on your phone. One of them is Facebook, one of them is Twitter. But um, so it's like Twitter is a specific application. There is software, there is code written for Twitter. um, And that code is written onto the server. And then like uh, the server serves you in all the ways that Twitter can serve you if you're saying like, if you're referring to the way that Twitter exists as software on the server. So it's like um, when you upload an image onto Facebook, Facebook serves you the, um, serves you with the function of allowing the image to be seen by everybody. This is what you pre and pre-intended when you put the image up there, you wanted a function that would allow the images of yourself to be seen by everybody. This is part of the function, part of the reality that's provided by Facebook that is written into the software of Facebook that exists on a server. And um, like Google, uh, Google is also centralized, but it's like Google has a bunch of server farms in a, in sort of a similar way to how there's a lot of uh, computer farms for Ethereum across the world. Google has a number of server farms that are just, they house a ton of Google computers that run um, Google code. And like um, one of the things that you recognize with this is that Google has plenty of these, they have like maybe 12 of them across the US that are just giant computer farms that run Google code. And um, a lot of these are probably running similar code to each other because they're all under the name of Google, they're all running Google code. And so you see that that on its own is a little bit inefficient, but you could say that Google is decentralized to some amount because they have different locations that their computers run the same way that Ethereum banks its reputation on its decentralization. But what it's talking about is that it has many different computers across the world in which you can, in which the Ethereum engine is continually combusted, if that's you say that it's like um like so google is relatively decentralized because they have a few different locations it's just that what people don't realize is that ethereum is a corporation and so this is cause for you to say i'm not investing in ethereum to some extent at the point that you figure that out and the reason that there's big dips in the market is because people figure out something like this information is gotten out to the general public where they're able to define ethereum better and then when these things happen these cause for falls in the system but then if ethereum is as transcendent as people say it is it can slough off any definitions that come its way where people are able to define it such as that it's a corporation at the point that the general public realizes ethereum is a corporation i'm ahead of the curb on this just so you know it'll go down it's like, but um, another thing you'd want to recognize is that Ethereum is just a stock. Ethereum is a, Ethereum is a company with a stock tied to it. The Ether price is a stock. And so this should be cause for concern for you because that would point to that this thing is more limited than people are letting on. And um, yeah, like it, it, it may be, it may be, it's, it's tough to say, but and so when I first realized that, I thought, oh, wow, I guess this isn't all that great. But um, this introduces more functions into the equation that make it better because the reason, um, because what makes Ethereum better is that it's decorporational as opposed to corporational. Google is relatively more corporational um, because it exists on a centralized server, but mostly because they have an inefficient way of producing work that acts as fuel for the for the engine like when you work for google you have to go through this giant hiring process it's very difficult to work for google you probably had to have a degree like you had to put lots of years of service into being able to work for google before they hire you and then they then they hire you like um it's very difficult to work for google but what's because um ethereum is more transcendent than google and provides this decorporational service you their employees are people that just sign up to be like yeah 
um, all do Ethereum. And it's just like Ethereum can make tons of money the same way Google can make tons of money, but Ethereum will be better at making tons of money because they found a way for just people to walk up to the thing and start doing work for them. Like they just, and they wrote this all in computer code. And basically what Ethereum did was uh, as the system continues to unfold and like the way that the mining works is that um, they automated the, they've automated giant corporations on their own. Any one of them, Google, Twitter, Facebook, the work that is done by people at desks at Google and Facebook, this has been automated by computer code written in smart contracts on the Ethereum system. And so that is long-term, probably detrimental to Google. But it's like, it's this decorporational aspect It's that is probably the most important that it un like, I don't know, you'd say unincorporates or incorporates. I think decorporates is the best use of it because it uh, distributes the power of corporation to more locations. But it's like Google doesn't have the ability to do that, to make themselves global or make it so that working for them is as simple as signing up because their way of making money is dependent on outside sources and their way of making money is dependent on advertisers. Ethereum found a way to just kind of bypass the entire money making endeavor of it by writing jobs previously held by people all into computer code. Computers do all of it. It it disintegrates corporations to some extent. It disintegrates it to the extent of how much more decorporational Ethereum is than something like Google or Twitter. And um, this is something maybe people don't realize about it because th- this is like, it's not just money that it is decentralizing. And so it's like server, Google's, so the, um, the server for Ethereum is everywhere, but the thing that you wanna recognize is that it's a corporation and when they say that nobody owns it, that isn't exactly true. That's like a similar thing to believing that it is completely decentralized. It's not completely decentralized because people own it um, because someone owns it. All of the nodes on the network have Ethereum's name on it. And so it is Ethereum that owns it. Ethereum, it's not nobody owns it. Ethereum does. It's just that the idea is Ethereum is so um, not... Like there's there's 120 employees of Ethereum, and so it's like a company. But um, for the reasons I just mentioned, it is like more valuable than a typical company. But there's just like things like that you want to recognize about it. One of them that I found out is that there's something called the Ethereum Foundation, and so that's a bad sign because anything with foundation on it, there's like, there's a little bit of corruption introduced is what you would think, like that's a red flag because anything with foundation on it, as we found out in recent years, is a bad deal. Like uh, the Trump foundation is a little spotty, but even more spotty than that is the Clinton foundation. Even worse than the Clinton foundation, the Bill and Melinda Gates foundation. Foundations are often used as money funnelers for the people at the top and this in some this is not what the ethereum foundation does as far as i can tell the ethereum foundation has money because it has collected a certain amount of ethereum ether tokens and it it, it pays its employees in these ether tokens that it's collected but it has a way of continually continually collecting ether tokens so it can pay out salaries to its employees like for example vitrick buterin who made it has a six figure salary on ethereum that he gets i think from the Ethereum Foundation. Besides that, it's just that like, do you really need an Ethereum Foundation? These people that own it, probably not because all of them already have millions of dollars because they own a ton of Ether tokens, but uh, that, uh, just on their own. And um, so that's just something you wanna recognize. But Ethereum is the farthest reaching. It is within, it's just like within the entire system because people write a whole cryptocurrency on its code and its code has the ether name on it in the ERC20 Ethereum request for comments 20 token and that it's written into. And so Ethereum request for comments, 
the request for comments part of that ERC-20, that stands for the, that when the specification was made, the ERC-20 was made, there is a period where people were still, still able to comment on it to shift the course of action to change the code at least slightly. Like people were commenting on it so as to improve it, but I think it reached a, it reached a point where they're like, okay, this is the standard. And so there is like, a, people aren't still commenting on the ERC-20 token, but in some senses they are because they create improvements of the ERC-20 when they create a new cryptocurrency written as a slight variation of the original ERC-20 standard code. And um, let me see what else. So it's like, I'm not your financial advisor. And that it pains me to say that. I wish I was, you know, and we all wish that we were a financial advisor at the end of the day, right? That's where we'd want to be in a perfect world. But, um, so I'm not your financial advisor. I would say if you're going to buy a cryptocurrency, you should buy Ethereum because it's like, it is, it is what the name says that it is, is Ethereum. The guy that made it is a genius, whatever. Uh, but he also was smart enough to name it Ethereum as Ethereum is a name that is closely related to what Ethereum, that carries out the function of Ethereum, where it's like Ethereum as an network gets this imperceptible underlying uh, theme that that uh, is attached and relative to the entire crypto sphere. Um, if it continues to develop that, everybody is, decides to write their new tokens on the Ethereum network. Now it's like Bitcoin doesn't do any of that. It's just a currency. It's pretty much only for exchanging between addresses. The, the exchanging between addresses portion of the Ethereum network. Um, Bitcoin does this, but Ethereum introduces the added function of smart contracts, wherein you can create a smart contract. And smart contract is a difficult term. It's like I'm always trying to figure out what is the contractual agreement there. What is contractual about it? And as best I can tell, you call it a smart contract because you're making a contract with Ethereum. And so all of these new tokens that are written, they are contractually obligated to Ethereum just because Ethereum is inseparably the network that they're writing it on. Um, and so it's like you make a contract with Ethereum, Ethereum gets a certain amount of benefit from that you're writing it on their system already, you would know because their whole thing, their value is dependent on their entire network. Whereas if you just write one token on one sector or portion on their network, then you're, you're less essential. Like you're less essential. Ethereum is very essential because it provides the function for like for everybody. But there are competitors to Ethereum, like Cardano is also something that's, it's it's an entire system that you can write. So Cardano is its own blockchain. Ethereum is a blockchain. Bitcoin is its own blockchain. These are all different. When it's a different blockchain, this is something like it's a different ecosystem. When people use the word ecosystem, it's an entire, entirely different blockchain. But um, like, if you just made a token, an ERC-20 token, this is a cryptocurrency you create that isn't its own blockchain because it is already on the Ethereum blockchain. But there are some cryptocurrencies that are a whole blockchain. If you really wanted to go for the gold, go for the gusto with the cryptocurrency you create, you would create an entire new blockchain. This is much more complicated and much more difficult and you would need like computer background for sure to do that. But so it's like Cardano is its own blockchain and you can write new tokens on the Cardano. And so Cardano is like one of Ethereum's competitors, even though its set of functions is different and it carries out its system in a different way. And hypothetically, what people who are really into cryptocurrency say is that all of these different blockchains are different enough functions that they can all coexist and make tons of money. I don't know if that's true. I'm I'm waiting for. Um, I wonder if one day one of them will just deflate a ton, like people just stop buying into it. But um, another one that is interesting is Polkadot, because Polkadot is its own blockchain. But Polkadot 
provides you the function of creating your own blockchains on its system as opposed to just your own tokens. Like Polkadot is a crypto that aims to make it easy for you to create an entire blockchain as opposed to just a token. So there's something to be said about Polkadot. I am starting to come around more to Polkadot than to Cardano. I'll talk about more of that in the future. But Ethereum, not your financial advisor, I'd say that's the best, that's your best bet. And the market is basically dependent on Ethereum at this point. Like when Ethereum goes up and down, the rest of the market does. And uh, more so, it's, it's more so the one that's everything is dependent on than anything else. And so thank you for bearing with me during that talk. I hope you learned about, but whatever, thanks for bearing with me. Uh, no, thank you for not bearing with me on not the thing I said. Thanks for bowling with me. B-O-W-L-I-N-G. Um, and that should be it. And um, thanks for thanks for being here. Wow. Thanks that we got to enjoy this experience together. I can't believe you stopped in to see what I was talking about today that really changes my whole world. Like I'm a different person as a result of who possibly might've listened. And, um, it's just that this world, you know, it provides you so many opportunities. I never thought that I'd be in this place and it's just been a journey. And what I found is that you just have to let it come to you that not don't do it, but have it happen. And that's just so great that it's just so great that um that that but cool that's not a that's not a cool ending not a cool ending whatever and we'll talk to you all talk to you all later uh talk to you all in the i will talk to you all in the next episode